Charlotte. It's Shelby. It's Riley. And, and it's, it's time, time to smut up and listen. Just a reminder for today's episode and all future episodes, our opinions are subjective. We don't advocate for kink shaming or author shaming. This is all in good smutty fun. Enjoy. Today's episode trigger warnings are explicit sexual content. And murder. And today's book is My Killer Vacation by Tessa Bailey. And how many stars did you give it on Goodreads, Shelby? I actually gave it a four, even though I have opinions. (laughs) I also gave it a four. I thought it was pretty good, actually. But I like Tessa Bailey, so. This is my first Tessa Bailey. Do we not get to like delve into your opinions until later on? No. But we will. Shelby's voice will be heard. (laughs) Oh, I want to (laughs) know. My quote for you, Riley, is I might be dominating her, but she's owning me. Okay. And mine is, keep it dripping. I'm going back in. Keep it driven. I start today's episode. We are in our main character's POV. Her name is Taylor. She's a second grade teacher who has penny pinched to afford a luxurious beach house for six days in Cape Cod with her brother Jude, who just had his heart broken. They get to the rental and it's amazing. There's panoramic windows overlooking the ocean, high ceilings, remote fireplace, and there's an odd smell to the house that she can't put her finger on, but she ignores it. Does she describe it as like... A foul odd smell or she says that it's like someone like used old spices like from cooking and stuff but it's like okay. it's off okay. pungent aroma yes hmm. her brother jude goes to take a nap on the couch as she heads to the master bedroom to put her stuff away and it still smells upstairs but not as bad so she debates calling the owner but the clawfoot tub she saw on the ad is like calling to her name so she's like i'll take a nice relaxing bath and then i will call i love a good clawfoot bathtub they're so nice they're so deep i hate baths i fall asleep in them you do yeah you do that's dangerous yeah as a child i would fall asleep in the bathtub so i wasn't allowed to take baths that's terrifying it's just so like nice and cozy i love to sit in my filth yeah it's like you soup Oh, yeah, I haven't taken a bath in, like, two years. Okay, to be fair, what I do is I take bubble baths, and then I shower after. <laughs> so maybe it defeats the purpose, but it's still nice. It also freaks me out because I'm like, there's something in the bath with me. Like a hand. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I think of that, yes. Yes. A hand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just a picture, hand. like, a hand coming out and, like, yanking my hair. <laughs> That's some, like, grudge shit. Yeah. Yeah. I have an overactive imagination. Yeah, you do. <laughs> She starts the bathtub and undresses, but decides she should check the CO2 alarm first with the smell. And I was like, that would never cross my fucking mind. (laughs) And there's no smell to CO2, right? That's why you need the alarm. Yes. But I mean, okay. She's a safe girl. Safe gal. We love it. She really is. She looks everywhere for an alarm in the master, but doesn't see anything. Minus two small holes in the crown molding of the room. Immediately, she's like, I'm going to be on an episode of Dateline. So she shuts off the bathtub and wraps herself in a towel to check the hallway right outside the bedroom to see if that's where the holes are. And when she opens the closet, there's no peeping Tom or holes, but there is a panel in the closet. And she's like, what the fuck? So she calls Jude upstairs to make him look. And he says that they could check the crawl space or try to remove the panel in the closet. They remove the panel to reveal a very small space 
but the peepholes are there looking straight into her room. No, thank you. I would not sleep there. No. no. But I guess she spent a shit ton of money to stay there. He tells Taylor to send him the owner info and he'll call them to talk to them. And while he's doing that, she goes to the laundry room to find like duct tape or something to cover the holes so she could sleep. And as she opens the laundry room door, she's frozen speechless. It's like a Netflix true crime documentary. There is a large dead man stuffed between the washer and dryer. He's purple with a bullet hole to his forehead. And they call the police. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? That's why it was stinky. Ooh, a decomposing body. And she's like, mmm, spices. <laughs> <laughs> the officers take their statements three different times and their statement doesn't change. She tells the officer that it has to be the owner of the house because he looked very familiar. And she pulls up the rental site and the officer's like, yeah, we already know it's the owner of the house. We actually know him very well. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? A few nights ago, they were called to the house house when a couple other girls were renting the place and came across the peepholes upstairs with the camera recording. <gasps> Nasty. They called one of the dads who told the owner to come down and then the dad like beat the shit out of him pretty much. As he should. Yeah, 100%. It was clearly a situation that Taylor should have been informed about since she was renting, but obviously she had no idea. Taylor thinks something doesn't sound right, but kind of just keeps to herself and she feels like she should be responsible to try to solve this mystery which i'm like uh-uh i would no. not it's your vacation yeah i would just be like okay well let's you know let's see if we can find another rental can i have my money back please and move on with our vacation not oh my god i have to solve this murder i know she's going all fucking scooby-doo on it you second grade teacher <laughs> she's got something to prove that's like her motivation this whole book is that she's like my whole life i've been a coward so i'm gonna solve this murder that's literally yeah <laughs> Okay, girl. Just then, the victim's sister arrives, and she is obviously very distraught. Taylor goes to offer her sympathy and notice that the woman's eyes are dry. The officers explain to her sister, Lisa, what happened a couple days ago. And as the officers leave, Lisa offers another rental her brother owned to Taylor and Jude. She explains that she usually checks all the properties before renters come, but was late checking this one, or else she would have found her own brother. They tell Lisa everything they know about the people before they pack up and leave and taylor notices that she still hasn't cried one time but she's like not my business everyone grieves differently yep taylor even said that okay as they go to leave lisa mentions that she's gonna hire a pi and avenge her brother and then she hugs taylor and says like thank you for some reason i don't know why (laughs) as they're leaving taylor snags the guest book to look it over later and i would have never thought to do no that's like a crime is it not yeah she's stealing from a crime scene yeah that's typically a big (laughs) no-no yeah they generally (laughs) don't advise you to do that no 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 we switch to miles's pov he is our main male character. He arrives in Cape Cod and immediately wishes he was leaving. He's there to find Oscar Stanley's real killer. He put it in quotes because as a bounty hunter and a former investigator, he knows that sometimes family's in denial and like refuses to believe that they're like a shitty person. As he walks up to Oscar's house, he feels someone staring and it's a younger woman a few houses down who drops the watering can and goes back inside and then all of a sudden she's right 
behind him as he's entering the property, and he's speechless as he stares at her. She's beautiful, small, big green eyes, blonde hair, freckles, and perfect boobs. Beautiful, small. Good thing she's small. Yeah, good thing. (laughs) Jesus, I need to get laid. That fact wasn't obvious until right now when I'm lusting after this stranger in the heart of middle-class vacationville, wondering what her nipples would look like in the sunshine, all licked up in my spit. Ew. (laughs) Ew. In my spit. She asks if he has any theories on Oscar yet, and he dismisses her, and she's like, okay, fine, just figured I would ask since, you know. I have the uh, guest book and I found the dead body. He's like, okay, hang on. (laughs) He's like, ma'am, what are you doing? Yeah, he's like, are you one of those amateur online like sleuths? And she's like, no, but I want to know what happened. He tells her that sometimes people don't need a reason. They just do things. And again, she mentions the guest book and her thoughts on the guest book. And he's appalled that she took evidence, naturally. Mm -hmm. And... Asks for her to give it to him, and she tells him, only if you keep me informed over any developments you find. And he's like, no, (laughs) not doing that. Literally none of your business. He takes some pictures of the laundry room, and he goes upstairs to the master. And as he's in the master bedroom taking pictures of the peephole, he wonders if this was going to be her bed, and then what they would look like together in bed. Which, like, bro, focus on the investigation. He's like, I want to spit on her nipples. Stop thinking with your dick. After he takes some pictures of the peepholes, he realizes the holes were drilled outwards, so they were drilled from that crawl space in the closet. And he decides that he does need the guest book, so he goes to the house that she was at and knocks. She asks if he's going to keep her in the loop or she can't hand him the guest book. And he's like, why is this important to you? And she says, I'm not very brave, she says quietly. I'm really sensible and I always play it safe, but I saw a dead body and I didn't vanish into dust. I stayed calm. I called the police. I thought I would cry or hyperventilate or die of fright. Definitely thought I would pack up and run home, but I didn't. I surprised myself by sticking it out, and I guess I want to see what else I can do. But I'd also like to say a normal reaction to that would be to freak out as well. Yeah, I think I would. But also I, yeah. go like run a 5k. Yeah, you don't need to solve a murder to you know, prove <laughs> yourself. No. <laughs> Her explanation does something to his chest, and he thinks that he's like about to have a heart attack. Like he's like, oh, that's something special that's really nice of her (laughs) okay (laughs) he asks if she's gonna back down from how scary he is because if not that's pretty brave and she says that he's not scary and then jude approaches and jolts back with a jesus fucking christ when he sees miles because he's scary she skips towards the kitchen to grab refreshments and the guest book we get to taylor's pov she finally gets to stare at him while he's not looking and he has long unkept hair he has bad tattoos and scars over his knuckles and neck and he's at least six five (laughs) he's got bad tattoos (laughs) yeah they said it was like prison tats it's he sounds like a cross between a homeless man and dog the bounty hunter and i just can't get behind it (laughs) yeah he has like matted long hair they said it was unkempt but i'm picturing unkempt means it's not brushed. (laughs) And she's like, oh my god. Why would you describe him as covered in bad tattoos? He has, what, prison tats? Yeah. She's like, oh my (laughs) god. That's not hot. She's like, wow, this little homeless man is hot. (laughs) Does he have a house? No. He's homeless? He, like, legit is homeless. (laughs) (laughs) 
And uh, okay, now that you said dog the bounty hunter, that's what I'm picturing, and that's unfortunate. <laughs> yes, like just like tall and big and like too crabby. tan and just <sighs> rubber skin. Mmm, hot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Miles. Thank you. <laughs> For the rest of the book, I couldn't picture anything else. <laughs> She should be scared of him, but she's not. She actually thinks he's quite handsome, especially when he smiles. She asks if he's ready to share details of the scene, and he says no, because she's technically a suspect. I mean, you found the body. Yeah, you gotta be checked out, so. She one-ups him and asks if he looked at the wood grain of the peepholes, and he's, like, shocked that she paid attention to that, because, remember, they drill into the bedroom, so from the crawl space. Mm -hmm. She tells him that she's been... At the house doing her own investigation and Jude is like what the fuck why are you going into like the crime scene because she'll like take the tape down and like go inside and then put it back exactly where it was she's gonna go to freaking jail yes <laughs> she's just getting her fucking fingerprints all over everything she apologizes to Jude for not telling him and she says next time she'll let him know but Miles is like there will be no next time give me the fucking guest book so I could go she ignores Miles and promises Jude that she won't let it interfere with the vacation because he needs to relax since Bart died. And we learn like the most random information. Jude works at an animal sanctuary for pandas and Bart is a panda who recently passed away that Jude used to take care of. But he like dresses as a panda and like pretends to eat leaves to try try to teach them how to be a panda. Yeah. Okay. He's dedicated. He is. So when you said heartbreak earlier in the book, I really thought you meant like he got broken up with. (laughs) Yeah, you think that the whole time until this moment. (laughs) Surprise. It's a panda. It's a panda. (laughs) And it's absolutely irrelevant to the story. That's literally the only time you'll hear about it. Okay. It's a nice little random fact. (laughs) It's a furry. They turn back to Miles and he's like, you're the weirdest people I've ever met. And she goes to get up to get the book for him. She also has another theory that she tells Miles before she grabs it and says that besides the aggressive dad, there's also other aggressive residents and they have like a little theory about their next door neighbor. They play a song on Jude's phone and turn up the volume and the neighbor storms out and there's a loud crash and banging on the side of the house and apparently he does it over any type of noise and is like continues to get aggressive until they stop the music and calls Taylor a bitch and then when Miles goes outside Jude and Taylor just stare at each other in shock until he comes back in and he's like he won't bug you anymore how thin are these walls Honestly. Yeah, they're whole ass houses. Yeah. But she runs upstairs to grab the guest book because she can tell that Miles has like reached his peak of being nice. He's right behind her when they head into the master bedroom. He throws open her suitcase to search for the guest book. Rude. Don't yeah. touch my suitcase. And right on top are sexy, frilly red panties. And he's like, uh, what are those? Yeah, why would you ask that? You know <laughs> what they are. Can she not have panties in her suitcase? <laughs> he's like, not what are sexy, these frilly ones. Scandalous panties. Put them on. Stranger. Let me see it. (laughs) Prove they're yours. I want to see if they fit. Yeah. (laughs) She says, obviously, they're underwear. But before she gets any more embarrassed, she grabs the book and hands it to him. But he's not even interested in them now. He's like, do you date? And she's like, no, not like not really, like occasionally. (laughs) 
And he starts to bully her for some reason about the guys that he thinks that she dates. The audacity of this stupid man. Yeah. This homeless man. Yeah, dog the bounty hunter. Shut (laughs) up. You wear underwear and you date? Disgusting. (laughs) Appalling. She tells him, on one hand, I'd like a man who makes a good living and wants a family someday. On the other, I'd like to be manhandled once in a while, just sort of thrown down and told who's boss, you know? Is that so much to ask? But on the three occasions I've dated a man long enough to to do it, they insisted on treating me with respect in the bedroom. It was incredibly disappointing. Zero stars would not recommend. And he is, like, sweating profusely over this. Like, he's, like, <laughs> just, just picturing like, him dripping sweat and being, like... <sighs> Oh, God. (laughs) She's like, you have the guest book so you can leave now. But before he goes, the girls who rented it last week were the only ones since last summer. So Oscar's been there for 10 months. But he's not paying attention to what she's saying. He grabs a waistband of her shorts, pulling her close. Whoa, wait, what? His hot breath curls in my belly button and I reach for his hair, tangling around my fingers. Exhilaration pouring through me like a mile high waterfall. And then he licks me. He licks me across my exposed belly from one hip to the other, then bites down on my abductor hard enough to make gasp. And then he's like, finally introduces himself as Miles. And then he leaves. I'm uncomfortable. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. I... Okay. (laughs) As she sits on the bed, she realizes two things. The red panties are gone and Miles' business card sits in their place. He stole her panties. He's a panty thief. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be like, what the fuck, man? (laughs) But she's just smitten over it. Yeah. Yeah, she loves it. We switch to Miles' POV. He knows he's missing something about the case, but he's not sure what. He finds himself back at Oscar's house after visiting the dad who beat him up. And he's done the timeline, a couple background checks on neighbors, and any other known associate of Oscar's. He keeps staring at the rental tailors in, though, and he can't stop thinking about licking her sun-kissed stomach. He's also been carrying her panties around since yesterday. What is him with licking and spit? He's like, I just want to spit on her nipples, Lick her belly button. Spit. Steal her panties. He's a strange guy. He knows he needs to focus and get back to work, so he searches for a tool in the shed that would have been used to make the peepholes, but there's nothing in there. He goes back inside, and there's humming in the living room, and he sees Taylor on her hands and knees looking under the couches for clues, and he's like, what are you doing? And she, like, screams bloody murder. She just, like, let herself in again. She's a busybody. She is the definition of a busybody. (laughs) He wants to know why she's there, and she's like, do you find me annoying? And he's like yes but he's lying but i also want to spit on you (laughs) she tells him that it's fine that he finds her annoying but they're still gonna work together so they need to get along and he's like we're not working together you have no credentials ma'am no she tells him that she'll leave for now and as she goes to leave she steps on a floorboard and it lifts so they both scramble to pry up the board and inside is a thin white envelope We switch to Taylor's POV. She wants to open it, but he tells her she should go just in case, and he looks genuinely concerned. He reads it and goes to tuck it into his pocket, but she lunges at him and snatches it, and she lands face down on his thighs and scrambles back to read it as quickly as possible. And it reads, You're going down with me. They're all going to know who you are. I've known all along, but it won't be my secret much longer. (gasps) Ominous. 
Miles moves to reach the letter and she twists and falls to get away from him. And to stop her from like hitting her head on the ground, he cups her head and falls on top of her. And now they're, you know, perfectly lined up together. And he's like, oh, (laughs) what should we do? (laughs) (laughs) She looks down to see her breasts almost out of her romper and her bikini top. Her nipples are also very hard and visible through the barely covering fabric. And he says that he's going to get off her, but grabs her wrists above her head. And now the sexual tension is high. Please what? He hooks a finger in my top and tugs it lower. That final inch that reveals my pointed nipples. A groan rumbling deep in his barrel chest. Suck these beautiful ass tits. God damn. I knew they'd have those little triangle tan lines on them. Fuck. <laughs> God. She whispers please again and he removes his gun and slides it across the floor to get away from them and then he palms her breasts with one hand as she moans. He asks if she wants her pretty little mouth kissed and she says yes and just as he's about to kiss her a car door slams outside. He gets off her and adjusts himself grabbing his gun and goes to the window. There's a camera crew outside along with a lady in a pantsuit and an assistant. He tells her to stay and goes outside to meet them. Naturally, Taylor does not listen. She goes out with him. Taylor? She's like, I am also working the case. Interview me for the news. Ask me questions. (laughs) Junior detective. (laughs) She has like one of those little kid badges. Yeah. (laughs) The lady in the pantsuit is the mayor and they set up a press conference and she does a speech about the loss of Oscar and her promise to relook at the rental laws in Cape Cod to try to keep them out and keep it quiet. After the press conference, they leave and Miles says that he's gonna go talk to the dad of the girls again. His name is Judd. The dad? The dad that like beat up Oscar. Yeah. Gotcha. And Miles is gonna ask him about the letter so he goes to leave. But they think that the letter was written by Oscar for someone else since he was the longest resident there. So maybe the camera wasn't there to record the renters but Oscar so like he was a target. Okay. We switch to Miles POV as he's talking to the dad again. His intuition's telling them that he didn't actually do it he asked the dad to recount again about that night and as he listens he thinks about taylor and how she's becoming a really big distraction and he's getting really emotional over her already how why for what reasons yeah because of her little triangle tits (laughs) (laughs) he asks judd about the letter and if he has a firearm and judd hesitates but miles is like i can't arrest you i'm just trying to get details judd does have guns and when he discloses that he has a glock miles is like can i see it and judd's like i don't have that i loaned it to someone that's fishy that is fishy Uh uh-huh it is suspicious but again miles is like my intuition just it it's not him i just know it he heads back to cape cod to his hotel room and when his phone rings it's taylor he tries to get her off the phone but she tells him that she found the murder weapon and if he doesn't want to talk to her she'll just go to the police which she should do yes not the pi no right he's just some type of like bounty hunter right Yeah. yeah he's just a hired pi bounty hunter guy like he's not an actual cop 
they're fucking up this investigation yeah they are where's the police which is also a crime a crime he demands to know where she is and she says that she's on the beach a quarter mile from the rental she was walking when she saw something shiny but she did not touch it he switches her to bluetooth and hops on his bike demanding to know exactly where she is but she's not sure so she sends him a pen to her location and then she hangs up we switch to taylor's pov miles arrives and bags the gun and she starts to go back to the rental she's annoyed that he's been like an asshole this whole time but he begs her to stop and talk to him he apologizes and she knows that he must not do it too often and he tells her about not being sensitive enough so that's why he's divorced like he's like sorry i'm such an asshole like that's why i'm divorced (laughs) that's why my wife left me (laughs) just trauma dumping on her i know He then unravels about his past and being at Boston PD as an investigator and leaving due to a case over a kidnapped child. And he like got super obsessive over the case because the kid reminded him of a childhood friend. He like quit going home. He quit doing like normal things. Like he was just so focused. She says it's okay, but continues to leave. And he still is following her and calls her out for pretending to be mad and is like making fun of the way that she's like, purposely swaying her hips maybe she's just walking yeah she's just walking he's like yeah i see you shaking your ass for me you're not that mad at me she turns around and he steps up to her and he is hella hard and he's like pressing his erection up against her she tells him to stop with the mixed signals and goes to walk away so he follows her again and she decides to ask for what she really wants she turns back to him and asks for the kind of sex that she wants rough however he wants to give it to her just not the vanilla stuff she's used to don't make love to me don't treat me nicely (laughs) he doesn't say anything he just grabs her throws her over his shoulder and brings her inside which like you went from a very deep conversation about a case that you did not solve about a child missing to like all right you want to fuck let's go We switch to Miles' POV. He knows that they should not be doing this. She is someone's future wife material, not what he likes, but that also makes him jealous. What? Yeah, he's like, I don't want anyone else to have her, but obviously she's not my type. Okay. Shut up, homeless <laughs> man. Go back to your bridge. <laughs> he needs to confirm one more time this is only physical and nothing else and as he voices this she says yeah you're just a tool for me to use for self-discovery now get naked he doesn't like that but he gets naked anyways he's like don't use me i have feelings but okay (laughs) as he unzips his pants (laughs) she asks if she's gonna need a safe word since she's never had it rough and he says no you just tell me to stop and i'll stop that's how it works which i was like okay that's manners that's nice yeah he unzips her skirt and pulls it down her legs before grabbing her ass and takes her tank top off he tells her to pull her bralette off down her body all the way to her ankles bending for him then he holds her over in the bent position and asks if anyone would call her cute like this and she says no (laughs) this was like in the reviews people were like appalled at this part (laughs) 
No, me either. I lean back slightly, tugging her twisted panties to one side, groaning at what I reveal. Well, let me clarify. I can see your tight asshole and nothing could stop that from being cute. But the rest of you? I press my lap to the top cover of her ass, letting her feel the painful effect she's having on my cock. Now you're a girl who likes to fuck dirty. <laughs> cute little butthole. I love your cute little ass. Hole. <laughs> He's never been so hard in his life until she tells him rougher. And then he spanks her a couple times and she seems to enjoy it. When he stops, she whispers again, rougher. He lets her go to her knees and unzips his jeans, putting his dick immediately into her mouth. Blame the size of it on every goddamn thing you do. Never been bigger or harder in my life. (laughs) A little twitch of that ass and I'm stiff. Fuck. Just like that. I'm hard even when you're pissed at me, baby. Ew. It's usually really small, but not right now. <laughs> I'm a grower, baby. <laughs> he starts to fuck her mouth roughly like she asked, but then stops and tells her to get on the bed and take off her panties. As she gets on the bed, the window shatters behind him and he covers her body with his. He looks to the window to see a red and white buoy is what shattered it. He tells her to go to the bathroom and lock the door. He pulls up his jeans quickly and goes to the front of the house in time to see taillights leaving, but it's too dark to see license plate or vehicle description. He's pissed that he got distracted by her and put her in harm's way. And there's clearly a threat towards her now. And I thought it was funny because she said, oh, she's like, oh my gosh, even the vandalism is nautical themed yes (laughs) (laughs) we switched to taylor's pov they never picked up where they were last night after they called the cops for the vandalism he left and she can't stop thinking about it though and how it was with him but she thinks it's a good thing he didn't come back because she thinks that she could easily be attached to him but she is allowed to fantasize so as she starts to finger herself and her orgasm builds jude calls for her from the hallway and now she's like what do you want, Jude? Yeah, that would Busy. annoy the shit out of me. <laughs> I know. You're just getting freaky with yourself and your brother's like, excuse me, breakfast is ready, <laughs> sister. So she stops and goes to have breakfast with her brother, which also I'm like, I would need at least a while before I looked a family member in the face Yeah. after trying to do that. I hope you wash your hands. I need like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. They have plans to go snorkeling today on the opposite side of Cape Cod. So she's hoping that the distance will make her day a little bit easier from like distractions, aka Miles. But then she looks out the window and is reminded that Miles slept on the porch last night with his gun and he's still there in the morning. And I was like, see, he's homeless. He's like, I just, I just need a roof over my head, man. (laughs) He does have a motel that he stays at, though. He does have a motel, but he stayed there last night to protect her. Oh, cute. Just a grown man laying on your porch. (laughs) Yeah, and she's like, that's so fucking hot. (laughs) This ratty ass hair. Mm. Yep. I want to get my fingers stuck in his hair. (laughs) (laughs) Just can't get him out. She's just like running it and it's like stuck. (laughs) Jude asks about her and Miles and if they're hooking up and she quickly starts to stutter. And he's like, you don't have to tell me. But from what I see, like Miles is really smitten over you. And then the man in question comes inside, steals coffee and casually asks what their plans are for the day because he's not leaving them with danger out there. He asks them to cancel their scenario because he doesn't want to babysit them while they do that and Jude's like I'll watch my own sister like you don't have to babysit us and Miles doubts that he can watch
watch his sister and Jude's like, is it because I'm a gay man? So Jude is gay. Yeah. And Miles is like, no, my own brother is gay. I'm not worried about that. She tells Miles that they are not canceling their snorkeling. So tough luck. He says that he'll leave to go to talk to the chief of police, but he'll be back for snorkeling. As they clean up breakfast, there's a knock on the door. And this is after Miles has left. They go and look and it's a young woman. They ask if she's okay. And she says that she has questions regarding the murder. But when they step out on the porch, it's a reporter. So they go back inside. We switch to Miles POV. He's annoyed that he is going snorkeling instead of finishing the investigation. But like, you don't have to go snorkeling. No, just do your job. But he does have to go snorkeling because the idea of her in a bikini in front of other men gives him a headache. Oh my God. Also, I forgot to mention this whole time. He always pops the antacid. And for some reason, I thought that would lead somewhere. No. It doesn't. He's got GERD. Oh, does he talk about it? He's like, oh, I have GERD. So I had to take. No, he's like, I had to pop an antacid before I like did the- went snorkeling. He's like just constantly chewing like Tums. <laughs> he's like, I have acid reflux. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like an episode of The Office where Dwight has like taken them like candy because his appendix is like. Oh, yeah. Nope. 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 Doesn't. Just another little tidbit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> when he arrives at the rental house, they're gone. They did not wait for him, like they said. So he finds the snorkeling place that they went to. And she never told him. She's like, how did you find us? And he's like, I assumed you would pick the stupidest name of the snorkeling company. So here we are. And it's called Something is Fishy Snorkeling. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I'd pick that one. <laughs> <Me Lydia. too. laughs> the instructor finishes all the educational part and tells them to partner up. Also forgot to mention that they are with three guys from the other night when she found the gun. Like Jude found someone to hang out with and they had friends. So all of them are just hanging out. Ryan, though, one of the guys has been like staring at Taylor and really likes her. And even Jude said something about it. So he's like, oh, I'm going to partner with Taylor. And Miles is like, the fuck you will. No, <laughs> no, you aren't. Give me some. So flippers. he's like, okay, I'm going to partner with Quentin. Have a good time, you guys. And Taylor's annoyed, but he doesn't care. As they all split up, he stops Taylor because he knows he needs to gain her trust again after being a dick. So he tells her the time of death for Oscar was almost 24 hours before her and Jude got there. So they are no longer suspects. Yay. <laughs> Cracked the case. Yay. The end. <laughs> the end. They settle on a truce and continue to the water. And as she gently wades in, he strips following after her. He's in his normal clothes still. Yeah. So he's just wearing his like tidy whities in the ocean. He's such a weird dude. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> When she turns to talk to him, she stops mid-sentence and just stares, and he watches as her eyes grow super lustful because he never took off his shirt the other day, so he's ne- she's never seen him without a shirt. And apparently, he's covered in thick chest hair, more tattoos, and knife scars. Hot. Is he buff? He's. They said that he's pretty buff. Not like ripped, but like. I want to know what these bad tattoos are. She's like, ah, oh, look at that fucking hairy chest. I <laughs> lay on it. It's probably all tangly like his hair. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> he asks if she likes his body better than MBA, which is why he's calling Ryan because he's like a fancy boy. And she said, I don't know about that. Maybe it's different, but it's not better. <laughs> he knows that she's immediately messing with him. They talk about her career as a teacher and his relationship with his brother and all the PI stuff, but he slowly starts to get uncomfortable being super honest. 
and tells her that whatever happened between them last night can't happen again because he got way too distracted over it. She tells him if she's a distraction, then he can't tell her other prospects to fuck off. So then he presses close to her until their mouths are almost touching and she moans and he's like, God, this is not helping distraction wise. I'm erect, balls heavy, sweat rolling down my spine. I couldn't stop my mouth from raking side to side across her sweeter one if I had the willpower of 10,000 men. Her sweeter one? What is that? Her sweeter mouth. Oh. I know. Side to side, baby. What's he doing? (laughs) He strips off her life jacket and rash guard and then grabs her and pulls her into a kiss. His knees turn into jelly and he doesn't know what's happening to him, like why he's like getting all mushy over this girl when he never has before he pulls away and says that he has a condom are we using it and she says yes so he pulls it out puts it on where are they in the water yeah that's what i thought yeah just snorkeling the entire snorkeling class is like 10 feet away like what the fuck are they doing (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna be so big inside me aren't you big and mean she whispers against my mouth Big and mean. (laughs) You're going to be so big and mean in me, aren't you? (laughs) Then she dips down and scrapes my neck with her teeth, licking the sting away and colors. Fucking colors are exploding behind my eyes. You're going to keep me safe and make it hurt a little at the same time, aren't you? Safe, I mutter thickly, walking her into the shadows, ripping at the strings of my shorts. You're so safe with me, sweetheart, baby. Going to cram you so full and kiss it when I'm done. (laughs) Ew. Ew. Also, sweetheart baby. Sweetheart Stop baby. it. I'm gonna cram you so full. <laughs> and you're gonna be so safe while you're so crammed. <laughs> <laughs> They're then interrupted by someone yelling help outside the little cave that they went into. And then someone yelling for her name. It's Jude. So she takes off running. He is such a cock block. He, yeah. Literally every time they try to have sex, something happens. Yeah. yeah. It's Jude, so she takes off running, but before she can get far, he like tosses her rash guard first, so no one sees how hard her nipples are because he doesn't want them to see her nipples. <laughs> They're just nipples. Calm down. Yeah. Everyone has them. Jude got stung by a jellyfish, and <laughs> Ryan had to pee on it. I don't... I think that's a wives' tale. I don't think you're actually supposed to pee on it. I don't think... I don't know. I've never even seen a jellyfish except for the aquarium also jude's kind of seems like a baby yeah i mean you already got peed on what is taylor gonna do yeah taylor jude can't walk after this so miles scoops him up like a baby and tells taylor to get the back seat of the car cleared off and jude as they're walking to the car tells miles that this would be more romantic if he wasn't swooning over his sister and miles is like shut up They get Jude to the car and Taylor invites Miles for dinner, but he turns it down saying he's going to patrol the neighborhood in case the buoy thrower comes back. Jude and Taylor leave and he goes back to his hotel to go over his notes. The buoy thrower. The buoy thrower. We switch to Taylor's POV. She's making food and has time to reflect on the last 24 hours. She realizes that she wasn't acting like hookup material with the dinner invites, deep childhood conversations, crying. So she's like, of course, he's going to like keep me at arm's length with the investigation too. But she's catching feelings, especially with how he carried Jude to the car. Like that was a deal breaker for her. She's like, that's so hot. Like the opposite of a deal breaker, a deal maker. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
She Googles Miles and sees the case that he told her a little bit about, but reading the article helped to fill in a lot of blanks, and she's more attracted to him after reading it to find out that he is a hero, but never bragged or mentioned it. So apparently he did solve the case. And he just like accidentally took leads on the wrong person at first. But in the end, the kid went back to his family. Okay. She hears his bike stop outside and then a woman's voice. And she goes out to see Lisa, Oscar's sister, walking up the steps with Miles. Lisa's there to let them know that the window will be fixed tomorrow. And while Miles is there, he's like, I have to ask you questions anyway. So this works out. Jude hobbles in and hands everyone a beer and then walks with Lisa to the kitchen. Miles keeps Taylor behind for a moment and tells her to stay close to him like he has a weird feeling about this and he will in fact be staying for dinner now when they get to the kitchen lisa starts telling them about the mayor's crusade to ban the vacation rentals in cape cod but they already knew that because the press conference but they don't tell lisa about the press conference after dinner's done they all start making plates including lisa and she like says that she wasn't gonna stay for dinner and then just starts like grabbing food <laughs> she just makes herself a plate yeah she's like oh i'll join you i'll join <laughs> Insist. <laughs> they bounce theories around the buoy thrower when all of a sudden Miles throws a picture of a gun down and asks if Lisa knows it. And June and Taylor are like, what the fuck? Lisa says that she does not know it. She has only access to one gun and it's her boyfriend's in the safe. And Miles is like, I didn't ask if you had access to this gun. I asked if you recognized it. Yeah. Lisa. It's silent until she's like, I guess I should head home now. And she leaves. Suspicious. Uh huh. After she leaves, Taylor's like, "Is she a main suspect?" And he's like, "Eh, not really, but she is the beneficiary of his estate and now owns all the rental properties that he owns." Motive. Motive mm. for murder. He tells them that he's gonna go head out for a meeting with the police, so lock everything up until he gets back. But after he leaves, she's like, "I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna actually go to a sex shop because I've been edged for like three fucking days in a row." She has. And June knows that she's up to something so he's like I'll sneak out with you even if you go to the sex shop I'll just wait for you at the bar we switched to Miles POV he knew that she was up to something but he didn't think it was venturing to a sex shop he's pissed that she put herself at risk being out at night without him but he's also mad at himself because she's risking her safety for an orgasm that he has not provided he's like this is my fault it is Make her come. Make her come. This makes him jealous and he says, fuck it. And he crosses the street just as she heads out of the shop to the car. And she turns around and spots him, but hides the bag behind her back. And he's like, what's in the bag? She's like, none of your business. Don't worry about it. It's the great American challenge. (laughs) (laughs) She would need a very big bag. (laughs) (laughs) My lips brush sideways across hers, making her eyelids droop. Your unsatisfied pussy is my business, and we both know it, Taylor. We've been edging each other for days. She shudders. Can you please stop talking to me like that? Why? You like it too much? Yes, she whispers. (laughs) Also, sideways. I don't understand this. He's just like like an Eskimo kiss, but like on her lips. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) He asks again what's in the bag, and she says, lavender oil and something called a G-spot thumper. And I put, LOL. (laughs) (laughs) he tells her to give him the bag as he palms her vagina and then he grabs vibrator turns it on works her skirt up spits on the vibrator and then puts it in her underwear they did all of this in 
front the of the store lot. in the parking lot yeah yeah also he like unboxed this little vibrator that quickly yeah those are like packaged yeah and i'm just picturing him like palming her pussy as he's like opening this stuff with one arm <laughs> he's like yeah okay <laughs> okay i got i got this i got this <laughs> He tells her that he'll take care of her ache, but then he really needs to go back to work. I kiss her hard, refusing to think about it. I look her in the eye and pump the curved, spit-slicked end of the vibrator into her pussy. Slowly, slowly, until my knuckles meet her damp lips and she's sobbing. (laughs) (laughs) She's crying. Pretend, she cries into our kiss. Pretend it's you. I position the toy in front of my bulging zipper, flatten her upper half against the car, and I fuck her with the vibrating silicone, as if it's attached to me. I'm painfully aware that it's not, but her enjoyment eclipses my agony. Every time you use this thing, remember that my cock is bigger, I growl against her ear, and I'm somewhere out there thinking of you while I stroke it. (laughs) Pretend your vibrator's me. (laughs) No. She comes just like that, and right immediately afterward, a loud bang interrupts, and it's the door to the bar. He tells her to get in the car and call Jude. They need to go home now, and he knows that she's satisfied, and he needs to focus. Yeah, he's like, (laughs) I guess. I mean, why couldn't they just fuck? I don't know. If you're already doing all of this in the parking lot, just unzip your pants and fuck her. Yes. But, you know, whatever. We got to build that sexual tension. Yes, we do. Oh, it's built. Oh, it's it's, it's built. You (laughs) could cut it with a knife. We're in Taylor's POV. Miles is outside pacing and guarding the house, and she's watching him longingly from the window. Jude comes up and asks her what happened between the two of them in the parking lot last night, and she says they did a little making out, and then they broke off their non-existent relationship, and she doesn't know why this has her as upset as it does. So he was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to focus. Now that you've had your orgasm, you've got what you need from me. (laughs) (laughs) We're done. She starts to confide in Jude that being with Miles makes her feel like she just ate a spicy breakfast burrito for the first time after a lifetime of only eating oatmeal. (laughs) What a metaphor. Yeah. And she hears someone clearing their throat behind her and she turns to see that Miles is standing there and obviously heard the whole conversation. He looks uncharacteristically awkward and Jude starts rambling on about breakfast burritos while Miles and Taylor argue back and forth about how he wants to start the day without her being mad at him and he has no clue why he even cares one way or another. I guess Miles is blocking the way out of the kitchen and jude's like i like breakfast burritos we usually have ours with avocado but the store had no avocados he's like i want to (laughs) leave jude finally finds a way out of the room and taylor asks miles what's with him this morning and he says that he was fine until he walked in on her saying all these nice things about him the breakfast burrito thing just really got to him he's like i'm a breakfast burrito you think I'm that? spicy? <laughs> you think I have flavor? Taylor realizes she doesn't want whatever's going on between her and Miles to end, but he's obviously keeping his walls up for a reason. But she refuses to let the murder mystery go and is determined to help him solve the case. Oh, Taylor. <laughs> Just stop. He tells her he's going to be going with her into town today. He has a suspicion that she's up to something that she shouldn't be, which like valid because she generally is yep Mm -hmm. and taylor asks him if he wants to revisit the parking lot and he asks her not to do this to him she (sighs) is kind of mean she keeps teasing him when he's like please stop yeah and she's like you want (laughs) to fuck in the parking lot and he's like i just i just wanted to go into town (laughs) he's like i'm just trying to have a normal day (laughs) i just need to solve this murder 
We switch to Miles' POV. He's torn on how to deal with Taylor. On one hand, he's super into her, and on the other hand, he's afraid that she has a vision of him in her head that he can't live up to. As she's walking across the kitchen, he's admiring her ass, and she asks him if he's ready to head into town, and he says, yeah, you're just going to the library, right? And she says all innocently, yeah, just the library. And he obviously isn't buying it, but goes along with it. So he knows that she's up to something. She's definitely up to something. He convinces her that they should ride his motorcycle into town, despite Taylor telling him how unsafe it is, but he says she's always safe with him. They get on, and she has her arms around his waist, and his dick is painful at this point, but he tells himself he's used to it by now. They ride off, and Miles is driving under the speed limit, avoiding every possible bump in the road, and she starts to beg him to go faster. He does, and he's proud of her for being so brave, because she's just, she wants to go harder, faster. Oh my god, she's such a quirky girl. (laughs) I'd be lying if I said I didn't like the way she clings to me, her warm pussy against the small of my back. Her sexy thong-clad butt is perched on the rumbling engine of my bike, and that makes me hungry. Makes me think of hot, sweaty sex. Makes me think of us in bed. Instead, while she screams faster in my ear, why won't I just beat off and get rid of some of this pressure between my legs? Just this morning, I returned to my motel room to shower and change. Could have worked out some frustration with my hand, but I couldn't do it, despite my dick being harder than a two by four. (laughs) My body knows nothing is going to come close to the real thing. Taylor. Just jerk off. He wants Taylor. When they get into town, it's super busy because of a rally going on, and Taylor tells him she loved riding on his motorcycle and thanks him for convincing her to do it. As he helps her off the bike, he kisses her, which turns into a full-on makeout session. But he breaks the kiss, and they walk towards the library, holding hands, and Miles is freaking out about how deep his feelings for Taylor are getting. Because I guess holding hands is just a very intimate thing. Uh Uh-huh. He says that he loves it. Yeah. I guess. (laughs) Taylor tells him that she won't be able to read any books with him looking over her shoulder the whole time so she tells him to go to his meeting at the police station and they'll meet up for ice cream later. He says he isn't the type who goes out for ice cream but after a few seconds he asks her what flavor she wants to get. He's like you talked me into it. Her flavor is disgusting. What was her flavor? It's butterscotch. And he's like that's a grandma ass flavor. It is. His is cookie dough. Which is good. That is good. I don't think I've ever been with somebody and they get like a butterscotch flavor ice cream. No. No. I don't think I would. Sounds like it gave me a tummy ache. Mm-hmm. As they're walking, they pass the mayor speaking to a crowd over a microphone about the rental house situation, promising the townspeople that they're going to get the renters to stay out of Cape Cod. Miles catches the mayor's assistant checking out Taylor, so he kisses her knuckles and the man quickly looks away. Taylor spots Sal, who is the neighbor who freaks out when they make any sort of noise, and Sal glares at them and disappears into the crowd. So he's obviously at the rally to get all the renters out. Yeah, stupid renters. But also, I bet you that's, like, Cape Cod's, like, biggest income, so... Yeah, probably. She tells Miles to go to his meeting, and she'll meet him at the ice cream place in an hour. He tries to kiss her, but she says no and bites her bottom lip, which only makes him want her more. Tease. She's a tease. (laughs) We switch to Taylor's POV. The county clerk's office is attached to the library, and that's her actual destination. She really wants to crack this case. There's something that doesn't add up about Oscar. He was a retired postman who owned four expensive properties and she wants to get to the bottom of it because he obviously couldn't have afforded that by himself. Mm -hmm. She checks out the property records on all four houses and sees that three of them are also owned by Evergreen Corp. 
And she knows that business partners are second most likely to kill after spouses. So she's like, whoever's behind this evergreen corp. Ooh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just as she's thinking about how she has to tell Miles, she feels a sharp pain on the side of her head and everything goes black. She wakes up to Miles yelling her name, asking her what the fuck happened as blood runs down her face, but she tells him she's fine. What the fuck? The plot Uh thickens. What happened? There's a crowd of people around them and a bunch of them are on the phone with 911. They're told an ambulance is on the way and Taylor tries to say she doesn't need one, but Miles wants her checked out to make sure she doesn't have a concussion. Someone finds a book nearby on the ground with blood on it and Taylor thinks that's probably what she was hit with. So someone just fucking yeeted a book right out of her Yeah, Yeah, they rocked her shit. They did. Miles is beating himself up that she was attacked while he'd left her alone, but Taylor tells him it's okay despite thinking to herself that she's now been the target of two acts of violence and she may have bitten off more than she can chew which like obviously you did yeah you're a fucking school teacher yeah yeah you did (laughs) (laughs) miles pulls her away from the crowd and asks her what happened when she was attacked and she tells him about the property records but she can't remember the name of the corporation officer wright approaches them to get a statement while taylor is looked over by a paramedic who tells her she's not concussed but has a nasty cut on her head officer wright asks them if they're an item and taylor says no while miles says kinda Oh, shit. Awkward. Taylor tells him that they haven't had that conversation, so no, they aren't a thing. Finally, Officer Wright starts to ask about the actual attack. She doesn't have much information to give, and when they're done, Miles picks her up and carries her outside to a black car that's waiting for them. Because obviously she can't ride back on the motorcycle. She has like a fully bandaged head. Yeah. That's a hard-ass book. Yeah. They said it was like a leather bound. They just chucked that shit at her. (laughs) Yeah. Enough to (laughs) knock her ass out. <laughs> Damn. Miles texted Jude, but he hasn't responded yet. And Taylor says it's probably because he's ignoring his phone because of whatever is going on between him and his friend Dante, but doesn't elaborate. Which is also another thing that comes up later in the book that is not important at all. No. Okay. Not I at all. I do want to know, though. I do want to know. You'll find out. Okay. While the driver takes them home, suddenly Taylor starts shaking and it finally registers in her brain that she was attacked. So that adrenaline is wearing off. Miles holds her and tells her he's going to fix everything and she feels comfortable from him as he holds her. She looks up and kisses him, but he tells her to stop and explains that he's done everything in his power to make sure she knows he's not the type of man she's looking for. As soon as the case is solved, he's leaving this town and going back to bounty hunting, and Taylor says she doesn't care about any of that. She just wants him now. Girl, you just got physically assaulted. Yeah. I would be crying. I'd want to go take a nap. Yeah, who'd want to fuck in a situation like this? Taylor. We switch to Miles' POV. Back at the house, he carries Taylor up the stairs and gets her into the bathroom to start a shower. He's too over their complicated situation and how it made him feel to see her hurt after the attack. He wants her and she's really starting to get under his skin, but he knows they don't have a future together. She strips for him, staring at his very obvious erection, but gets in the shower, leaving her thong on, which was such a strange choice. Yes, that is weird. He's like, you might as well take it off. I know I can see what your vagina looks like through it. Yeah, he comments that her pussy may as well be out because he can see the whole thing and she tells him to come take it off then she has a bandage on her head yes (laughs) just fucking bleeding from her head and she's like come take off my panty (laughs) (laughs) he tries to control himself but when she starts lathering up her boobies he reaches in and grabs her out of the shower and plops her onto the vanity and undoes his pants he asks her to tell him if she's too hurt to do this and she says she wants this 
She has a bandage on her head. Yeah. I bet there's still blood, like, dribbling out of it, too. Yeah. You take that thing off and start bleeding again. It's a head wound. Also, like, I don't think I would feel, like, attractive with my whole head bandage <laughs> No. <laughs> She's just, like, a half mummy. Yeah. I know. I wouldn't be like, come over here. Come here. Come take my <laughs> bandage off. <laughs> he asks her if she trusts him and she says she does and now her wet thong is rubbing against his dick he kisses her and kneels in front of her ripping his shirt off i hook a finger in the crotch of her thong and yank it left kissing the split of her pussy kissing it with just my lips then familiarizing it with my tongue parting her pliant lips and searching for that nub there so sweet so swollen <laughs> even before i start teasing it letting the flat of my tongue ripple against her then stroking nice and easy rougher when she sobs my name there there it is there's the nub taylor begs him not to treat her like she's fragile that's a pretty little cunt isn't it i say in between drags of my tongue watching her face reading her gauging her mood finding out where she's at and when she rolls her hips sharply into my next lave of her clit her fingers tangling in my hair i know i know how taylor wants to be fucked Fast and nasty and hard. (laughs) I lean sideways a little and slap the wet flesh between her thighs. Not hard, just enough to get her attention and roll those beautiful eyes back in her head. Miles, what? I smack it again, noticing she's wetter this time. Damn, perfect, perfect woman. You like it? (laughs) You like when I spank you in front? Yes, she wants you like when I spank you in the front? <laughs> spank your little pussy. Miles reaches up and starts playing with her nipples while he licks her and she comes on his tongue. He stands up and he wants this so bad, but still tells her that the second she says stop, he'll stop. She says she doesn't want him to stop and asks him not to be gentle with her. He rolls a condom on and she asks if they should turn on the shower and he says no because if someone comes home, the shower will muffle the sound of him bottoming out in this pussy. (laughs) (laughs) And we know someone's going to walk in. Yeah, we do. We do. I drive forward, not slow, not fast somewhere in between and i don't stop until i'm buried and i actually shout (laughs) (laughs) Ah! (laughs) while she sobs into my shoulder i shout at the swiftness of my balls jacking up throbbing against my undercarriage (laughs) undercarriage (laughs) undercarriage you still want it rough now that you feel what i'm working with Okay, big man. Her breath escapes in a rush against my shoulder. Yeah, yes, please. Yes. You're too sweet between the legs to say please, Taylor. You just ask for daddy and I'll do the rest. <laughs> yeah. And doesn't that word make her clench like a motherfucker? <laughs> oh my god. He fucks her hard and fast, but is already about to come, so he starts to move slower inside of her. I slow down slightly, but continue to push my cock deep, deep. My right hand coming around front so I can play with her clit. She whimpers my name, both of us looking down to watch my thumb strum that beautiful nub. Faster and faster, her chest rising and falling with exertion. The fingers of her right hand spearing through my chest hair, twisting until I groan. Go on, scrape me up, baby. I growl on top of her mouth. Fuck me up. (laughs) Fuck me up. (laughs) Fuck me me up. up. Scratch me. This sends Miles into a frenzy and he starts to fuck her roughly again as she comes. He picks her up and stands up, flipping her so she's facing away from him while he holds her. Keep it dripping. I'm going back in. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) 
He thrusts into her from behind with her pressed against the shower door. Nothing matters but her sodden cunt and the way she's clawing at the glass, working her hips and jerking little circles, giving me a standing lap dance that has me groaning at the ceiling. You try to make me nuts, sweetheart? <laughs> that is the least sexy thing ever. You trying to make me nut? Because I'm going to nut. <laughs> <laughs> yes, she gasps. Those fragile muscles at the base of her spine flexing with the motion of her lower back. Steam dappling her spine. Glorious. Beautiful. Perfection. Could have filled this condom ten times by now, Taylor. I just don't want to stop. <laughs> <laughs> the dialogue in this book is... It's- amazing something (laughs) it is something (laughs) he fucks her so hard that her teeth clack together while she yells for him to go faster once again she has a bandage on her head yeah yeah and he's jostling her brain (laughs) she had a fucking thick ass book thrown at her dome yeah (laughs) how does she not have like a fucking headache I'm sure she does, but girls gotta come. Yeah. Dick's too good. Soaking the hair between my legs, tightening up around me like she's going to have another <laughs> orgasm, and I speed her toward it. Both of us. I let that final barrier against my strength drop, and she's off the ground now. She's bent at a 90-degree angle, ass in my lap, and I'm grunting with every thrust. Ruined me for jerking off before I even had you, didn't you, Taylor? Knew you'd be extra slick around this cock. Knew you'd love me breaking you off. She's injured, and he has her just bent down. I need blood dripping all over the floor. Oh my god! (laughs) They start fucking in doggy on the bathroom floor as he holds her head up by her hair. Ow! She has a bandage on her head, and he's just like (laughs) yanking her hair. But you're safe with me, baby. (laughs) (laughs) And they both come together, and he's never come so hard in his entire life. Work it tight, baby. Baby, perfect for me. Jesus Christ, don't you ever get hurt on me again. Don't you ever. I'm moaning words into her wet neck that don't even make sense. But she's hit a third peak. She's coming with me, and there's nothing in this world that makes better sense than Taylor squeezing around me, gasping, calling my name while her knees squeak up and back on the marble floor because I'm still pumping away. Can't stop. Can't stop even though I'm almost on empty. Taylor. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) She falls into his lap and they sit there breathing heavily for a minute or so before Taylor tells him that's definitely how she likes it and thanks him for confirming it for her and gets up and walks into the bedroom. He's pissed off now and follows her asking her what that's supposed to mean and she says they agreed to no strings and says now she knows what to ask for and thanks him again and he goes to tell her that she's never going to be asking anybody else for anything anything but stops himself because he knows it's not fair and she gets dressed and walks out of the room to go find jude i feel like that was a little harsh it was yeah on her part yeah now i know what to ask the next guy i fuck thank you for showing this to me we switch to taylor's pov she walks down the stairs telling herself that this is the only way it can be between the two of them she'll have to go back home and he's gonna go off bounty hunting and she's not going to overcomplicate things miles starts following her down the stairs trying to continue the conversation but jude walks in the front door and takes one look at taylor and drops his stuff she has a bandage on her head miles says he has to go leave and make a phone 
call and Jude freaks out accusing Miles of putting hands on his sister. Miles tells him that he'd never lay a hand on her but says he's a good brother for making sure and Jude asks what happened. Miles goes outside to make some calls about the property records and Taylor fills Jude in about what happened at the library. All of a sudden they hear a car pull up and shouting happening in the front yard and Jude is like fuck Dante came. <gasps> Dante! Dante. Are we gonna find out? We are but it's like essentially irrelevant. Yeah. Okay. Jude rushes out and tells an angry Miles that Dante is a friend and Dante is like how are we friends you've been avoiding me and I had to see you on the news involved in a murder investigation. Miles lets everyone go inside and asks what he meant by seeing them on the news. Dante asks why Jude is limping and asks if Miles hurt him and Taylor gets super defensive about everyone jumping to conclusions about Miles hurting people and grabs his hand and goes on a rant about how he's a great man who wouldn't hurt them ever. He's protecting them from a murderer. Quit saying he's hitting people. He's fucking me. (laughs) (laughs) They leave Dante and Jude to discuss whatever is going on between the two of them and Miles tells Taylor that he's waiting for the police to get back to him about Evergreen Corporation and says he'd like to take her to ice cream now. And Taylor realizes she's officially in love with Miles. Yep. (laughs) Yep. We switch to Miles' POV. They get to the ice cream shop and Miles can't stop thinking about a potential future with Taylor. He's imagining them getting married and having babies and everything else he explicitly told her he didn't want. And Taylor snaps him out of his thoughts and asks him what kind of ice cream he wants. He gets cookie dough, it's his favorite, and she gets butterscotch. Fucking weirdo. He's touched that Taylor stood up for him today and it makes him want to reach out to his estranged brother and tell him all about her. They start to walk back to the car, which is parked five blocks away when it begins to rain and thunder outside. And they have no choice but to take shelter in the nearest building, which is a Catholic church. Because he doesn't want rain getting on her head bandage. Even though she was just in the shower and then he literally pounded the shit out of her. Yeah, but no rain. No rain. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. They eat their ice cream in the church and he tells her that he was raised Catholic. And then he tells her that she gives Jude a lot of credit for being amazing, but not enough to herself for being the one that made him that way. And she starts to cry. They finish their ice cream and both start to get all horned up. And she tells him that he's more sensitive than he believes himself to be and says she wants to show him what it's like for someone to fuck him slow and sweet as she reaches her hand into his jeans and starts to stroke him. They're in a church. They are in the Catholic church, yes. I don't know. There's something about that that I think is a little hot. I mean, I get it, but also like ballsy. They're not even in like a confessional they're just like in the church yeah that is yeah risky some might say taylor why is my voice ragged let's fuck Uh uh-huh no she leaves my erection resting in the v of my jeans and slowly god too slowly she winds up the sides of her dress in her fists pulling the material up to her waist and leaving it there naked thighs hips her pussy that much closer and covered in red lace panties she's wearing the hookup panties in a church (gasps) scandalous how dare she in the lord's house you slut she starts to fully jerk him off while whispering in his ear how sweet and kind and good he is and the praise is really doing something for him he blurts out that she's the amazing one and he misses her when they aren't together and she leans in and kisses him slowly and passionately before she tells him to slide her panties to the side she rubs the head of my cock against her entrance letting me feel how wet she is how horny fuck baby that's so smooth she nods into our kiss you should feel the in side of it she says <laughs> raising my bottom lip with her teeth want to you want to feel the inside of my pussy <laughs> you were just there 20 minutes ago but you want to feel it again <laughs> 
he realizes that they're about to make love and he tells her to take the condom out of his wallet and she does and rolls it on him slowly. So slowly. I'm half delirious by the time it's on and she's dragging the tip of my cock through her soaked folds one final time then pressing me to her hole. (laughs) hole. Miles gives up control and lets her set the pace which is agonizingly slow as she softly kisses him and looks him right in the eyes. You're in deep everywhere. Her voice is reading and gasping. She reaches down for my right hand, which is still needlessly clutching and yanking her panties sideways, placing my flattened palm between her breasts, not just between my legs. In my heart. You're in deep in my heart and my pussy. (laughs) So romantic. (laughs) She wraps her legs around his hips and he tries to start fucking her fast the way he's used to, but she shakes her head and moves her hips slowly over him. And I fucking give in. I make love with her. I slide my fingers into her damp hair and shudder through every up and down ride of her slippery pussy up my Johnson and back down. <laughs> my Johnson. I hate that. Johnson? That's oh, the first time I've read Johnson in a smut book. <laughs> I've never read Johnson before either. It was in bulky. I think he said like my big Johnson. <laughs> oh, <laughs> did he? Yeah. <laughs> My Johnson. Miles can tell by the look in her eyes that she's about to come and her pace starts to pick up. The pace of her ride kicks up a notch, nearly turning my knees to ash. I'm sorry, it's just that you're the perfect size. Just slightly too big, enough to hurt a little but not badly. Consider me fucked. No, no, I was fucked already. This is something else. She's tapping into my basest wants and it's everything I can do to keep from peeking. Just slamming that ass up against the stone wall, one good deep pump and blast off. You're the right size for me too, Taylor. A little too snug, but not enough to make me feel guilty about pounding it. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) He starts to move her up and down on him hard and fast, and she tells him that they belong to each other, and he's important to her, and he crashes a kiss down onto her mouth to get her to stop talking, because he knows if she keeps going, it's going to absolutely ruin him. She tries to tell him to let her finish speaking, but he tells her no, and walks them so her back is against the wall, and he can fuck her hard the way he wants to and tells her that he's got that pretty cunt trapped now. Yeah, he does. She tells him she loves him and he immediately comes and reaches down to play with her clit and she comes screaming his name. He's about to tell her that he loves her too when they hear voices outside the church and they have just enough time to make themselves look decent when two nuns walk in and they both start to laugh. Oh my god. <laughs> Those poor nuns. Miles says hi to them and says they were just waiting for the rain to stop and the nuns tell them that the rain let up a while ago. And Taylor says they couldn't hear it through all that thick wood and Miles drags her outside. <laughs> Silly girl. (laughs) When they get to the car, Miles decides to just bite the bullet and tell her that he loves her too when his phone rings. It's Officer Wright and he's whispering and tells them that he looked into Evergreen Corporation and it's owned by the mayor. What? Yep. And they were supposed to bring her in for questioning, but the chief of police is a close friend of the mayor and he's sure that they're just going to bury the case. He tells them that they didn't hear anything from him and hangs up the phone. Taylor has a revelation and realizes that the mayor is a rental owner and exposing that would upend her entire platform and ruin her re-election. Because her whole platform is based around yeah. getting no the renter. Yeah, getting the rental properties yeah. out. But she's a rental property owner. Miles tells her he's bringing her home so he can go talk to Lisa Stanley, who is Oscar's sister. 
because now that she's inherited the property, she's a threat to the mayor and that makes her a target. Just as Taylor is arguing that she wants to come with him, her phone rings and it's Lisa. She answers it and there's a clear struggle going on and Lisa's screaming at someone to get out before the line goes dead. (sighs) We switch to Taylor's POV. They race to Lisa's house while Taylor calls Officer Wright to tell him that Lisa's in danger and she believes whoever is attacking her is the murderer. When they get there, the police haven't arrived yet, so Miles tells Taylor to let him out of the car. He's going in alone and she's going to park her car at the end of the block. She says she will and he gives her a kiss before getting out and Taylor slides into the driver's seat. She drives to the end of the block and flips a U-turn back toward the house because technically she did what he asked her to do. Taylor! She parks in front of the house and rolls down the window and hears two women yelling from inside the house. She knows one of the voices is Lisa and assumes the other one is probably the mayor. The other woman is begging Lisa not to turn her in because being interrogated by the police would ruin her career. Miles slides around the side of the house holding his gun and mouths to Taylor to go now when he sees her parked right in front of the house and suddenly they both hear a loud crash from inside. She's just about to drive the car to where he told her to be in the first place and the mayor barrels out of the house holding a knife running toward a black car parked on the street but Miles jumps out and points his gun at her telling her to get on the ground. They can all hear sirens in the distance and the mayor books it to her car but Taylor doesn't want her to get away. So Taylor does a fast and furious maneuver and flips her car around to block the mayor in her car when she finally gets to the driver's seat and the car parked behind her has her blocked in. She's looking straight at Taylor telling her to move while Miles pounds on the roof of her car telling her to get out. The cops finally show up and it's clear the mayor has given up on trying to get out of this and Miles opens Taylor's door and drags her out of the car holding her and asking her what the hell she was thinking. She says technically she did drive to the end of the block like he said and now he's pissed off yelling at her that the mayor could have had another weapon in the car and she needs to stop trying to prove to herself that she's so brave and sometimes it's better to hide. She says that's what he's doing, hiding from what happened in Boston. And he tells her, yeah, that's exactly what he's doing because it's easier working a case when you don't have any sort of emotional connection to it and flips the conversation around telling her that he can't fucking do this because she's just gonna hurt him when this is all over. This is the third act, the third act breakup. Yeah, no. I hate a third act breakup. Me too, it's stupid. She tells him to go ahead and end it with her because she's just a liability and a threat to the emotionless life he insists on having and tells him he doesn't need to feel any sort of guilt or responsibility on her behalf and turns around after saying it's your loss bounty hunter spicy he calls her name but she keeps walking because she knows that he can't give her what she wants we switch to miles pov he's sitting in his motel room staring at his packed bags and realizes that he has ptsd from the case in boston and it's causing him to fuck things up with taylor he's heartbroken thinking about taylor walking away and the fact that eventually she'll be with someone else who can give her everything she wants he contemplates calling taylor but decides against it and dials his brother's number instead and they haven't spoken in years kevin his brother asks why he's calling after all this time and miles tells him that he's in cape cod and could come to boston to see him and their parents if they're up for it and his brother is skeptical because last time they talked miles told him he'd come to boston when hell froze over and miles tells him about the breakup with taylor and says he just wanted some advice his brother can tell he's on the verge of tears and is shocked that a woman could get to miles so deeply so he tells him to drive his ass to taylor's and apologize for whatever it is that he did and miles says apologizing won't make them compatible kevin says that he's stupid for choosing bounty hunting over settling down with someone who he obviously cares about so much it's been what like five days yeah yeah but he's like quit your job move in with her yeah yeah God! He's starting to feel like his brother is right when he looks up to the ceiling and starts thinking about the crawl space at Oscar's house. The mayor wouldn't have been able to fit in it, and she wouldn't have been able to slip away from the crowd at the rally long enough to attack Taylor. 
He has a breakthrough oh. and realizes that it was her assistant, Kurt. Kurt. <gasps> the one that was checking out Taylor. Yeah, he kind of like was popping up here and there in the book. Just, yeah. But yeah. Being a little creep. And he needs to get to Taylor because she could be in danger. He runs out of the house dialing Taylor, but it goes to voicemail. So he leaves a message telling her to get somewhere safe. And he thinks the mayor's assistant is a second suspect. We switch to Taylor's POV. She's sitting with Jude on the beach while the men Lisa hired are fixing the windows in the house. She's really upset about what happened with Miles and tells Jude she's done looking for marriage material and just wants to live in the moment and he tells her he thinks that's for the best. They sit there both bummed about their respective failed relationships so I guess him and Dante were like friends but Dante's also like a famous movie star in like something like um, an MCU movie series. Okay. Yeah and they were like vibing but like not like dating but not like hooking up either. I don't Okay. But yeah. there was some like emotional yeah. Was, yeah. And that's it. That's literally it. Yeah. Okay. But Dante's literally like i want to say like tom holland level famous yeah jesus christ yeah like when he showed up to the house they had to like run from the paparazzi (laughs) but that's just like a little irrelevant tidbit in the book okay taylor can't help but feel a lingering worry about everything left unresolved between her and miles and the murder investigation jude says he's gonna run up to the house and get them some blankets and she asks him to grab her phone off the charger while he's there so she does not have her phone when jude is gone she hears a gun cock behind her and someone kicks her in the ribs and she turns around and it's kurt fucking kurt he starts going off on a villain monologue about how Rhonda had no idea he was spying on oscar but he did everything he had to to assure a re-election for her and tells taylor that he should have just shot her instead of throwing a buoy or a book since she couldn't just leave well enough alone and i just have in my notes it's giving scooby-doo yes it is he's like if it wasn't for you meddling meddling kids He says Rhonda probably won't even appreciate what he did to protect her secret life as a rental owner. So the mayor had no idea that any of this was happening, but Kurt was like, you need to be reelected. So I'm going to kill people. Jesus Christ. So what was Rhonda doing in that house then? She was just a rental owner, but telling the public that the rental owners were ruining the town and she was going to get them out while also like making money on the side from rental properties. I know, but didn't she run out of the house with a knife? Yeah, from Lisa's house. I think she was there to talk to Lisa about something. I'm sure the rental properties, because technically she owns them with Lisa now. Yeah, okay. Taylor sees Jude coming out of the house and yells at him to run. We switch to Miles POV. He sped over on his motorcycle all the way to the house after giving a heads up to Officer Wright. The house is locked up, but he hears yelling coming from the beach and sees Jude, Taylor, and Kurt with a gun. He convinces Jude to run back to the house as Kurt points his gun at Taylor and he sees the police arrive, but doesn't want to let them handle this when Taylor's life is in danger. Let the police handle it. Let them do something. They also have guns. Lots of guns. And training. Mm -hmm. He calls out to Kurt and tells him that he's going to call the mayor and that he knows he only did what he did out of dedication to her and kurt reluctantly agrees still pointing the gun at taylor when the mayor answers miles call he tells her that kurt has a gun on taylor and she says she doesn't want anyone else getting hurt and to put kurt on the phone he uses one of the police's bullhorns and puts her on speaker and the mayor tells kurt that he's the best assistant she could have ever asked for and she's never met anyone more dedicated to their job he's clearly very dedicated yeah maybe a little too dedicated miles pulls the phone away from the bullhorn and tells kurt that she has some things she'd like to tell him privately and he's gonna walk his phone down to them kurt is suspicious of this but where 
Marilee agrees, and Miles convinces him to let Taylor go, and he can point the gun at Miles until he hands over the phone. He lets Taylor go, and when Miles gets close enough to hand over the phone, he notices that Kurt's gun is the same one they found on the beach. Kurt! Kurt! As Kurt grabs the phone, Miles grabs the wrist holding the gun, and two shots are fired off into the water, and Miles starts wailing on Kurt until he's unconscious. (laughs) Taylor runs up and jumps into Miles' arms, and the police swarm them. As Officer Wright tries to take both of them away to give their statements, Miles tells him to wait a second and tells Taylor that he wants to make it work between them, and she says that he feels this way right now, but it'll change. And he says, no, it won't. She's changed him, and he's gonna do whatever it takes to make her see that. He's changed after five days. We switch to Taylor's POV. The next morning, her and Jude are packing the car up to head back home, and Miles is sitting across the street on his bike. Jude tells her just to go talk to him. She gets in the car and rolls the window down, telling Miles they're going back to Connecticut now to beat traffic, and he just nods. And when they drive off, she notices Miles is still behind them, and he follows them all the way to the freeway, and Jude tells her this is kind of romantic, but Taylor says no, it's not, and says she's going to pull over and tell him to get lost. So he is fully, like, just following behind them all the way to Connecticut. Yeah, I know she loves it, though. Yeah. Miles gets off on the same exit as them, and they all park in a McDonald's parking lot so Jude can run in and get some iced coffee while Taylor tells Miles off. Miles takes off his bike helmet and walks to her when she gets out of the car and grabs her and tells her she looks beautiful. Taylor tells him she can't just follow them and he says that's exactly what he's gonna do he said i'm homeless i literally have no ties to anywhere baby i can follow you wherever you go you are my home now baby she's hella soaked and leaning into him as he tells her that he's gonna make this work between them and a family walks by with a mother covering her children's eyes and tells them there's a time and a place for this so once again (laughs) they're in a parking lot taylor relents and is like fine see you in connecticut i guess he follows her the entire way and after she drops jude off at his place he follows her all the way to his apartment when they get inside he tells her he's done with bounty hunting and anything else that would keep him away from her he asks to see her bathroom and she shows him where it is and he pulls his shirt off standing behind her pressing her against the counter he tells her he's gonna get an apartment nearby to not freak her out too badly and she can kick him out of her place whenever she wants she's thinking about how she's not gonna let him get an apartment because he's definitely just moving right in when he crashes a kiss down on her and they make out all the way to her bedroom and he gets on top of her on the bed we've been together for five days and <laughs> you think you're gonna get your own apartment hell no you live with me now what baby he asks in between mind scrambling kisses his hardness finally finally springing out into my waiting palm transferring to his mid-stroke yes i gasp and he enters me in a mighty shove shouting my name into my neck while my cry of his name resonates in the hazy bedroom the headboard cracking hard off the wall he broke her bed with his big johnson <laughs> his big johnson Johnson. His big old dick. I'd be like, get out, leave. You broke my headboard. <laughs> she finally caves and says that he's found his way into her heart and he says he's there to stay. We switch to Miles POV. We're in the epilogue and it's two years later. Wow. They live together in a nice townhouse in Boston. He works at a PI firm there and Taylor got a teaching job. So he's like reunited with his family and his brother and him got their pi firm and everything's going great look at them he's planning on proposing tonight and when he tries to get the words out as taylor walks in the door she strips off her dress for him instead but she doesn't know that he has their entire family waiting for them in the living room to witness the proposal and she fully just like stripped her clothes off she's like oh you're home (laughs) husband listen sweetheart 
There's something going on here. I know. Laughing, she rubs her belly against my cock. I feel it. Okay, there are two things going on here. (laughs) My boner and will you marry me? Surprise. Surprise. And also your family's all here. Get dressed. (laughs) Jude walks in and Taylor screams trying to cover herself up and the rest of the family walks in after hearing the commotion. Taylor's dad looks at the scene and says, does this mean she said yes? I'd be mortified. Yeah. I'd be like, dad! Leave my house. Don't ever talk to me again. And now the cat's out of the bag. Miles tries to make the best of the situation and gets down on one knee and asks her to marry him. And she says, yes, of course. The end. Wow. She got proposed to while being a little nudie booty. In front of your whole family. Yeah. Nudie girl. And her dad's like, oh, 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 funny. Looks like it's going well. You're going to get fucked, aren't (laughs) you? Good job, daughter. Wow. So, Riley, on a scale of one to five red pepper emojis, how many red pepper emojis do you give it? I think I'll give it four. That's what we gave it. Four. Yeah. The spice is okay. Yeah, it's there. It's there. It's a fun, it was a fun read. Yeah. And do you think (laughs) that Miles is sexy? Dog the bounty hunter? Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't think so. The only thing that I think is sexy about him is how much he likes Taylor, even though he won't admit it. Other than that, no. Yeah. Yeah. There's just something off there. (laughs) Would you trade places with Taylor? No. I don't want a book thrown at me. I don't want to be in harm's way at all. He's like, uh, what are those called? Hobosexuals? (laughs) Where he's like, can I live with you? (laughs) (laughs) I need a home. All right, so next week we're going to be telling Riley all about A Ruin of Roses by K.F. Breen. And we're going to have her look at the cover and give us her best guess on what it might be about. Okay, well, there's not much leading on this cover. No. There's a rose and some, like, thorny vines. (sighs) I don't know. (laughs) I think it's going to take place in, like, an older setting and it's going to be dark. I will give something away. Okay. It is a spicy retelling of Beauty and the Beast. <gasps> oh, hell yeah. Okay. I'm excited for that then. Yeah, it is something. Have you guys read it yet? I have, yeah. I have not. Okay. All right. Well, if you liked this episode, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Smut Up and Listen Podcasts and on TikTok at Smut Up and Listen. Tell your friends, but not your mom. And we'll see you later, you horny little rats.